So, so do that. Um, and we're about to jump into the, the last week in our series, The Quest. But I wanted to talk uh, for a few minutes about like some tech stuff, okay? So I had a woman call me this week, and I'm really bad at off answering my office phone, but I just happened to like pick it up. And this woman, we'll call her Lana, she called and she said, Matt, I'm so, Pastor Matt, I'm so glad that I got a hold of you. She, see, she lives over on the East Coast, and she was starting to think about moving to Denver, and she was online looking around and found our church and happened to find one of the messages I gave last December talking about the shame we all carry around with us and how Jesus heals us from that shame. And she was like, this is exactly what I need to, to hear. In tears, she's telling me, like, I, I'm dealing with some stuff. I'm, I'm going through some difficult times in my life, and I just needed to hear that. I'm so glad I found you guys. And if I do move on, I'm definitely coming to your church, you know. And so it was really cool to make this connection with someone that watched a message from a few months ago that was hosted online, and she just happened to make this connection, and I could talk with her on the phone. And I love hearing stories from people, even people I've never met, that are hearing about Jesus and, and growing in their faith, following Jesus, because of our technology, which is amazing, right? I think it's really cool that we can do that. So we had an online presence even before COVID, but with, you know, when COVID hit last year, we were all online for a while, and then even afterwards, we're still, you know, the vast majority of people that are joining us every week are online. So we had a debate about this, and the whole church world's debating this, like, is it okay? Is it okay for someone to um, just participate online in a church? Does that count? And of course, we all know that there are certain things with being in person that are different. You know, you rub shoulders with people, you see people, the sound is different, you know. Uh, there's all sorts of different things, but we were debating that. Like, is it okay now that people can start coming back in? We're, we're nearing the end, you know. It's the beginning of the end of this pandemic. Is it okay then if people stay just online? So we debated it. We took a whole staff meeting. We spent a few hours just debating it like strategy and just to kind of come up with something. Is it okay? Is it not? We looked at what the scriptures say, and we even found like, well, hey, there's a lot of times that Paul wrote letters to churches, and he wasn't with them. That's why he wrote the letter, right? There's even times where he was in prison, in jail, and he's like, hey, here's this letter I want you to have. I can't come with you physically, but I'm going to send you this letter anyways. I, I want to. I wish I could, but I can't. That's what he would say again and again in his letters. And we looked at that and we said, hey, we all like in person. We love when our, our, our auditorium's packed with people, you know. But think of all the incredible opportunities and, and people like, like Lana who can now connect in faith even though they aren't setting foot here personally. So what we came to, our decision was, we want to help people follow Jesus no matter where they are. And there's a lot of great things we can do. You know, we, even before the pandemic, we had a, like this set of like five behaviors that we're saying, hey, these are what we want people to do to grow in faith, to follow Jesus. And you can do all of them online. You don't have to be physically present here in Central Park, Northeast Denver to be a part of them. So, so we were talking about like worship weekly. Well, we have a lot of people that are worshiping weekly. In fact, we have, you know, just from personal observation, seen that people actually are more likely to worship every week than when they were pre-pandemic. And the reason is, is because even if they were like before, they'd be traveling or be working on a Sunday morning once a month, well, hey, they can subscribe. They can make sure that they are catching the entire worship service or, or the message every week. You know, some people are like, hey, every Tuesday night is my worship time. And we're like, oh, that's, that's cool, you know? So we're seeing, hey, people are worshiping weekly. Great, even at a higher, you know, frequency than they were before. Praise God, right? Choose community. That's the, the second behavior we want everyone to do. Choose community. We want you in a community group. Well, we have people now in our community group. There's a family in our community group that doesn't even live in the Denver metro area. They live elsewhere in the state, and they join us every week. 
for a community group, and we're discussing and we're growing in our faith together. They're even like sending me texts saying, hey, Matt, you know, encouraging texts. And I'm like, this is great. Like, this is what community is all about in our church, choose community. So people can worship weekly. They can choose community. We're even starting to see people serve somewhere. Right now, we just have a couple opportunities, but we're really working on coming up with more and more opportunities. Like right now, we have online hosts. Alexa is one of our online hosts to make our online services even better. If you're interested in that, we need more online hosts. But hey, you don't even have to be physically present. You can serve every week during the week, and we're coming up with more and more opportunities that people that aren't here physically can serve every week. Okay, so you can serve somewhere. You can also give generously. I mean, that's the easiest one. People were doing that before the pandemic, right? One of our biggest givers in our church right now has yet to set foot in this building. Isn't that cool? He, he moved here during the pandemic, found our church, is, is attending every week, but he just hasn't come yet physically. And I'm like, that's amazing, right? So you can give generously even if you're not physically in the building. And then the last thing, we want everyone to help someone else follow Jesus. Well, can you do that? Well, yeah, you can share the stream. You can text someone a message. Say, hey, listen to this. You can even be an online mentor to someone. There's so many different ways that you can do all those behaviors. And we're stepping back and looking at it. And we're like, well, that seems pretty good, right? Yes, we love it when people are in person. We think if, you're, if it's possible, do it. But for a lot of people, they can't. Or they traveled throughout the week. Or they travel several weeks out of the month. You know, we still want to help you follow Jesus. So we're really excited about the opportunities that God has, has put and kind of forced upon us, Right? And yet, we want to embrace them as a church. So we want to help people follow Jesus in person and online, right? So, so I'm just like laying this out there for you guys. This is something that we're like embracing and we're really excited about. And because of that, we realize that we need to improve it. So we've done a lot of things to improve uh, our online presence and, and what our services are like online. But what we were finding every Monday morning when we were doing our after-action reviews from Sunday, that like 10 out of 15 problems had to do with tech stuff. Like every week, oh my gosh, we had this glitch, we had this issue, we had this. We're like, we need to help with it. And, and there was a guy who was starting to help us, and, help us, and he was even doing this before we went on, uh, like, COVID, but he was helping a lot. And what's even crazier is that he was working full-time at another church, doing tech stuff there, and then would come over and volunteer his time to help us. We, we got to know this guy, love him, and, and finally, uh, around December, we started talking with him, and then we, we offered him a job, and he is on board. So Jason, if you could come on up. This is Jason Cobb. Um, he is our tech and facility director now. He started this week, and we're so glad to have Jason on board. So he's going to be our, he's, he's our chief problem solver. Like, that's <laughs> one of his titles, right? So whatever tech problem we have, um, he, he's working to solve it, and he's already making things better, and we're just so excited to see what he's going to do with our church in the future. So make sure you stay afterwards to, to welcome Jason on board our team. It's also a lot of big changes in his life. He just got engaged yesterday to Kelsey, <laughs> Kelsey Belk, who's been a part of our church for a while now, and we're, we're so excited um, to have Jason on board on our staff. So I'm gonna say a prayer for him, and then we're going to jump into our, the finale of our quest series. Let's pray. Um, Lord God, I, I'm just so grateful for Jason. Um, just seeing his heart that, that's volunteered time here um, while he's on the staff full-time with another church and just his willingness to serve wherever there's a need, and we're so grateful for him, and we're thankful that he can be here now full-time um, at our church. I, I pray that you'd help us welcome him into the community and that he could really help our church move forward faster as, as we help more and more people follow Jesus in person and online. I pray, God, that you would be with us in the service too, that you'd give us open hearts, open minds, so that we can learn and we could grow together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, thanks, Jason. And one other thing, Pastor Sawyer, it's his birthday today. Yeah, so thank you, Pastor Sawyer. We love you too. 
Yeah, you like that, that photo. We, we, <laughs> Lucy was tiny in that photo too. But, but Happy birthday, Sawyer. So stick around afterwards and tell him happy birthday as well. Okay, so we're going to jump into our series, uh, The Quest. This is our final uh, message in the series. If you missed any, go to AriseDenver.com. On our media page, we have all the audio, video, and transcripts of messages. Today we're going to talk about the goal. The goal of the quest. It's what it's all about, right? And yet what we have found, and I think we can just say it, that the goals we have in our lives disappoint us. Disappoint us. Elvis Presley was interviewed six weeks before he died in Vegas. And the reporter said, hey, you know, when you started out, you told us that you were going after fame, you were going after money, and you were going after being happy. So, so how have you turned out with those goals? And he responded by saying, I'm not happy. I'm lonely as hell. Lonely as hell. Don't we see this when the people reach, in our society reach the peak, and none of us get there, right? But we see them and they, they're disappointed. They're depressed, even suicidal. When they think they have it all, they reach the goal, right? But yet they're disappointed. There's a Harvard um, professor, retired now, Clayton Christensen, and just a phenomenal business leader, and he graduated from Harvard Business School in 1979, and he started keeping track of all of the people that graduated with him, and he would make sure to go to all the reunions, and when he would see them there, increasingly over the year, these people who made lots of money, very well educated, were very powerful in business and in nonprofit organizations, what he would see is that they became increasingly unhappy and depressed as their marriages would fall apart, as they would grow um, estranged from their kids, they were more and more unhappy. In fact, the word he used to describe the, the, the guys, the men and women that he graduated with was a hollow unhappiness. A hollow unhappiness described their lives. So if we're honest, I think if we look at the goals that we have in our lives, goals like fame or fortune or, or, or even just success, whatever we have, they disappoint us. They disappoint us in, in two different ways. First, they disappoint us if we never reach those goals. How sad is it when we have these great goals and, and then we never achieve them? Maybe it's to get into that college where you don't get into the college. It's to, to, to graduate from college and then you take OCHEM and you're not going to make it. <laughs> or, or you think, I'm going to be in that career, I'm going to be a pilot, and then your sight is too bad. Or you're going to be a doctor, that's my goal, and then you faint at the sight of blood. It's not for me. Disappointing when we don't reach our goals. It's disappointing when we're saying, hey, I'm going to get married, and then you don't get married. Hey, I'm going to have kids, and then you don't have kids. Hey, I'm going to retire, and then the stock market crashes, and it looks like you're going to work till you die. It's disappointing when we don't reach our goals. But it's also disappointing when we reach our goals. Let's be honest. You think it's going to be so great. You get into the college and you're like, oh, I don't really like these people. You, you graduate and you're like, I'm so excited to get into this career. And then you get the job and you're like, I have to do this every day for the rest of my life. Numbing. Oh, I'm going to get married. And then, man, he doesn't clip his toenails. And that's his definition of clean. I don't know about that. I have to spend the rest of my life with this guy. You have the kids, and, and then they're unruly, or, or they move out of the house, and you're like, that's it? You retire, and you're thinking, man, this was, uh, was going to be great, and now I'm just lonely. 
See, all these goals we have, whether you don't make them or you do make your goals, it disappoints us, and we should just be honest about it. We should be honest about it in our lives. Um, that, that these goals disappoint us. You know, they, they, people usually talk about midlife crises, like midlife crisis that, that you're having, but I really think there are like three different crises that people go through. There's the quarter-life crisis in your 20s, and you're thinking, is, is, is it what I really want? Do I, do I want that? And, and, and you have this crisis, and then you get into your midlife, right? 40s, 50s, and you're thinking, I have it all. Is, is this it? And then there's the, the three-quarters life crisis. You retire, and you're thinking, was that it? This is what we do. We have these crises in our life, and that's why people do something crazy. They, they move out of the country. They get a divorce. They have an affair. They All these different crazy things that people do because they realize these goals I have disappoint me. Uh, for Forbes magazine's 75th anniversary, they asked um, 15 different writers to answer the prompt, and I'm paraphrasing it, but the prompt was, why is life so good and yet we're so unhappy? And Peggy Noonan, one of the writers, wrote this. She said, our ancestors believed in two worlds and understood this to be the solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short one. We are the first generation of man that actually expected to find happiness here on earth and our search for it has caused much unhappiness. If you believe, she wrote, only in the flat material world around you, and if you believe that this is your only chance at happiness, if that is what you believe, then you are, what? Disappointed. So what I hope we can learn today is not that goals are bad. I have lots of goals, okay? You don't even know how many goals I have for our church and for my personal life and all this. I, I'm a big goal person. And yet every goal we set, as good as they are, must be secondary and tertiary to the ultimate goal. And that's what we're going to learn today. If you want this path of happiness and to reach the goal that actually brings you happiness, we have to have an ultimate goal that's otherworldly. That's otherworldly. So that's what we're going to learn today. And in this quest series, this is the, the final message. But we, we talked about, hey, there's this story form you see throughout, you know, folk tales, throughout um, literature and in the novels we read and even in the movies we watch. There's this story form that occurs again and again and again, and it's almost like our Christian life. And I believe the author of Hebrews is kind of teaching that to us as we've looked, jumped throughout this book in this series. And we started with the call, the call. And the call of the Christian is what Jesus says to us, come follow me. And in that first message, we learn to just take a step. It's a call, just, just a journey with Jesus, just take the next step, whatever it is, take a step. And then in week two, we talked about some of the relationships we need in our life to, to have this quest and, and have a good journey. And the first relationship was the guides we need. But it's not just someone who's gone before us or isn't an expert in our field, whatever. No, no, no. We need to let the godly be your guides. Let the godly be your guides. That was week two. And week three, we talked about the companions because we need friends on this journey. We need friends, but even more than that, we need to flip our mindset and think, how can I be a friend? So we said, ask not what your companions can do for you, but what you can do for your companions is what we learned. Week four, we talked about the obstacles because we all run into really hard, difficult things on our journey. And what we need to, to learn is to see every obstacle as an opportunity to grow. And then last week, in the fifth week in this series, we, we talked about temptations because we are all tempted to go astray, to do bad things, to sin, and what we learned is that the only way to, to defeat temptations 
is to know that Jesus already won. And today we come to the goal. The goal. So what is the goal? The ultimate goal that we all need to have in our life if we truly want a journey that will be meaningful, purposeful, and bring about the ultimate happiness for us? Well, Jesus is the goal. Okay, pretty simple. Jesus is the goal. If you really want a life of happiness and an eternal life of happiness, you need to have Jesus as the ultimate goal in your life. And we're going to see this from our passage in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 22, and we're going to go through the end of the chapter. If you're online or on your phone, you can find the Arise Denver event in the YouVersion Bible app. We'll have that whole passage there. It's also going to be here on the screen as well. So in verse 22... It's talking about the end of this journey. It says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to who? Jesus. So here at the end of this journey, they come to the mountain, and it's Mount Zion, which, of course, is the mountain where the city of Jerusalem is built upon. But this isn't just the normal Mount Zion. This is the heavenly Mount Zion where there is the heavenly city of Jerusalem, God's city, which, if you read to the end of Revelation, that means that heaven has come down on earth, and they are one. And in this city, you see first this great, beautiful, big city on top of the mountain, and then you come into the city and there are thousands upon thousands. That means just multitudes upon multitudes. It's not a number, right? So many angels worshiping. These are eternal beings that are, are worshiping and they're in joyful assembly. This is, means they're happy. They're excited. This is a celebration. This is a party. And then if you keep going, it says to the church of the firstborn. So these are, are the believers in Jesus Christ who have gone before us to the to, to whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. These are all who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, the righteous made perfect. That, that's interesting that it's the righteous made perfect. There's a, a term in theology called glorification. See, as hard as we try in our life to become like Jesus, <laughs> we're not quite getting there, right? Let's be honest. The most saintly person you've ever met when they're on their deathbed, they're annoyed, they're agitated, they might say a few things, right? Even at the end, the the greatest among us is a sinner. And yet what happens when you finally make it to this eternal kingdom, to heaven, this heavenly city, there's a glorification that happens when God makes us perfect. Okay, that's a little bonus point of theology that I'm giving you today. So, so what we see in these letters, there's the great city, there's the angels, there's the people of God. Man, it's going to be exciting. I, I want to talk to people like Martin Luther, like, hey, I want to talk to the apostle Peter. I want to talk to James, right? Hey, tell me about this stuff. I want to finally find out who wrote this book of Hebrews. We still don't know. Can't wait to find this stuff out, right? But that's not what it's about. See, it keeps going, right? All those things are good, but it's leading up to the greatest point, the pinnacle, the climax of this journey. And what, who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus is there. It says in the book of Revelation that he is the lamb at the center of the throne. Everything revolves around him, even in heaven. It's all about Jesus. He is the goal. I'm saying this because there's so many good things about heaven that we can look forward to, but they are all secondary to Jesus, the ultimate goal. To Jesus, the ultimate goal. So I think a good analogy for this is marriage. If you just imagine a couple about to get married, there's, there's Joe and there's Mary, and they're getting together a week before their wedding, 
And they're sitting down for dinner and they're, they're thinking about their wedding coming up next week. And Joe says, this is what you'd think Joe would say. Joe would say something like, I can't wait to marry you, Mary. I'm so excited. I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you. That's what he should say, right? But what if he said instead, man, I can't wait to see Uncle Tim. Haven't seen him in a while. Man, my frat buddies, oh, I can't wait to see those guys. Oh, and man, the food's going to be good. Oh, I can't wait to have a piece of that cake. Okay, all those things are fine. They're good. But that's not what it's about, right? It's not about any of those things. It's about the marriage, right? And interestingly enough, marriage is really an analogy for us about our reuniting with Jesus at the end. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it calls it that final the banquet that we get to have. It calls it the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. That finally we will meet Jesus and, and we will get to hang out with him. We'll get to spend time with him, eternity with him. Man, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And we get to spend time with Jesus. It tells us it's going to be a great banquet. In Isaiah 25, 6, it says there's going to be the, the best meats and the finest of wines, Okay. It's going to be a party. It's going to be good. It's going to be great to see Grandma. It's going to be awesome to meet Peter, but it's going to be even greater to see Jesus there. He is the ultimate goal. I think John Piper was right when he wrote in his book, God is the Gospel, that people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. See, 90% of people in our country think that they're going to heaven when polled. But if you asked them, like, well, why do you want to go to heaven? Would they even say Jesus? Would he even be in their top ten list? Be like, oh, I can't wait to, to get rid of the, these terrible bodies. I can't wait to, to celebrate. I can't wait to see these people that I miss. I can't wait for something better than this life. That's what people would say. But really, it's about Jesus. He's our ultimate goal. And the people that don't realize it probably aren't going to be there. Because they don't have the right goal in this life. It's about Jesus. All those other things are secondary. Even the angels are celebrating Jesus and worshiping him. So Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the goal that we're supposed to go after and set our mind on and focus on because it's all about him. Even at the end, we're gonna be looking at him and it's gonna be amazing. And if you have questions, well, well that, you know, what, what is heaven really like? We're actually gonna be talking about that in our series that starts right after Easter, Okay. So, so stay tuned. You're going to have to stick around. I know that's two series away, but, but stick around for that. We're going to talk about how Jesus is way better than you think, and so is heaven, okay? Those are some of the things that we're going to talk about in that series. But what, what I want us to learn today is not just that Jesus is the goal. But here's the other cool thing about this passage, that Jesus is actually the way to the goal as well. Jesus is the goal, and Jesus is the way to the goal. Okay, so... I want you to look with me in verse 24 again, where it says, we come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. There's a new way of doing things. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, this passage is just chock full of Old Testament allusions and things that are going on from the Bible. So we miss a lot of them. But, but this guy, Abel, was actually the very first guy who died in the Bible, the very first guy who probably died in history. Okay, Abel was murdered by his brother Cain because Cain was jealous that God accepted Abel, right? So it says in that passage basically that Abel's blood cries out for vengeance, that there must be justice for what happened to him. 
And there was a curse put on Cain because of the evil and the sin that he had committed. But what this passage is saying is, is just like Abel, who was innocent in his death, he wasn't perfectly righteous and innocent in his life, but he was innocent in his death. In the same way, Jesus was innocent in his death. He actually did nothing wrong, and as we talked about last week, he never gave in to temptation, even when the devil was looking him straight in the face. He was perfect, he was righteous in every way, and yet still, he was beaten, he was murdered, he was executed. He was punished for crimes that he did not commit. And when all of his blood was shed, when he was there on the cross, that blood cries out a better word because it is not for justice and retribution. It is a word that says mercy and forgiveness. See, even Jesus, as he was crucified on the cross, bleeding out, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, Jesus' blood cries out not for retribution, but, but to give forgiveness and mercy to people who don't deserve it, to the people who murdered him and to you and me. So, so when we see this, we see that the reason why we can make it into heaven where Jesus is is purely and solely and only because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, most people, I think if you ask them, how are you getting into heaven? They would say, well, because I'm a good person or I've done more good things than bad. You know, people say this, and I, I've had people tell me this a lot. I think if you polled Americans, most Americans would say that. That's why 90% of them think they're going into heaven. Right? Even though there's no way 90% are better than average, right? But we all think that. We think, I'm good. And I think people imagine that they come to the judgment seat, because it does say that God will judge us, right? Even in this passage, we come to God the judge. I think we imagine that we'll stand before the judgment seat, and we'll say something like, Sure, I've done some bad things, but I didn't know better. Or I was young. Or, you know, I, I, had, I had good motives. Or at least pretty good motives. Or at least better motives than that guy over there, right? And I've done so many good things in my life. I took care of my grandma when she was sick. I, I shoveled that lady's walkway when it snowed so much that Sunday morning. I did all those good things. I even served at the homeless shelter. Heck, I gave away money. I even donated my car. Look at all the great things I've done. They have to outweigh the bad things I've done in my life. I think most of us assume it's going to go something like that, that the good outweighs the bad. But, but see, God doesn't grade on a curve. It, it, it's not like, okay, well, you know, you got a D plus, so I guess we'll let you in, right? You were definitely better than Hitler, there's that, okay? No, no, God isn't going to do that. See, it's a pass-fail, right? You're either in or you're out. And what God is going to say to us as the judge, you did wrong. You sinned. And because of that, I can't let you into heaven because heaven is perfect. If you come in, you're going to ruin it for the rest of us. You're out. That's what the judge would say to us. But see, then there's another voice, the voice that cries out. And I think it's almost like this, that we're at the gate and... And the judge is saying, okay, it's time to go. Sorry, you didn't make it in. But then Jesus is in the back and says, hey, I know him. Let him in. He's my buddy. Let him in. Let her, let her in. She's with me. Okay, come on in. So, so it's like that party, like just because you know the, the host of the house, you, you can get in with the rest of the party, right? Because the host knows you. And that's what it's going to be like. Jesus says in his own words, when he's saying that there's going to be some people that, that go out of the kingdom, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. The reason why they're not coming in is not because of the good and bad things they've done. It's because they, they didn't know 
Jesus. They didn't have a relationship with him. But when Jesus knows us, his voice is going to cry out and say, hey, come on in. You don't deserve to be here, but come on in. And that's that moment of glorification when all the sinful things get removed from us at the end, right? Come on in. Come and party. Come and celebrate in my kingdom. That's what Jesus says to all who know him. See, see it goes on in, in verse 25. We read, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. That's Jesus. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we live, we, we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? So that, that verse is now alluding to, to the, the time of the wilderness wanderings when God's people were complaining and, and unfaithful and God says, okay, you won't enter the promised land. So the author of Hebrews is saying, if, if people here on earth got this warning from earth and they still didn't turn in belief to God, if God now is speaking from heaven from his word and saying, believe, don't reject, it, it said that, do not refuse him who speaks, we should probably listen to that warning and listen and say, hey, I've got to believe. I've got to press on. I've got to put my faith in Jesus and his blood alone. That's what this passage is saying. So we learn that Jesus is not only the goal, but he's also the way to the goal. The way that we can get into heaven is only by knowing him and what he did for us on the cross. I want you to see this so clearly. It's not that you're going to work hard and you're going to live a great life and all of a sudden at the end, oh, here, here's your A+, plus, okay? Or even an A-. minus. No, 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 it's only going to be fail, but we get in because Jesus knows us. And then we get to spend eternity with him forever. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It far surpasses all the little goals we have in our life getting married, having kids, writing a book, okay, achieving something great and, and having this business, making your first million dollars, all those goals are, are nothing. They will disappoint us, but not Jesus. He offers us fullness and complete happiness. I saw this interview from Steph Curry, and if, if we can go back there in the notes, Steph Curry, of course, the, the point guard for the, the Golden State Warriors. He said, I know I have a place in heaven waiting for me because of who? Jesus. And that's something no earthly prize or trophy could ever top. And he says that having NBA MVPs. He says that having won championships and arguably the best shooter of all time as his title, right? And he is, right? And yet he says none of that is as important as the ultimate goal. Jesus and entering his kingdom. And if he can see that, I think we need to see it as well. Because our goals will disappoint us, but Jesus, he will never disappoint us. See, he invites us into this kingdom. And it is going to be amazing. We come to this heavenly city where nothing is broken. Nothing is like this earth where there's sickness, like there's plagues and, and there's pestilence and all the terrible things in this life. There's not going to be any more sickness, sorrow, pain, or death. There's only going to be new bodies for those who are coming into this great new city. And in this city, there are going to be angels worshiping God creating the greatest melodies of music that we get to join in with. It's going to be the best concert you've ever been to times a billion. Okay? Man, that sounds good for those of us who are musicians. Like, yes, I can't wait to go to that. And I get to even sing and play in that. That's going to be amazing. It's going to be like that. And we're going to see these saints who have gone before. It's going to be so exciting to talk to these people, hear about them, get to know who actually wrote this book of Hebrews. It's going to be amazing to see the loved ones we have lost. I can't wait to see those people. It's going to be so great, the, the reunion we're going to have, but all of that pales in comparison to seeing Jesus 
the king, the shepherd, the lamb at the center of the throne that we will all get to worship and be in his presence forever. It tells us in Psalm 1611 that in his presence is the fullness of joy, true happiness forever, and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. That's where I want to be. Jesus is the goal, the ultimate goal, and he should be our only goal in this life. And when you do that, it will not only make eternity amazing, but it will make this life better as well as we have purpose and happiness as we continue on in our quest to reach the ultimate goal. So if, uh, as I have the band come up right now, it tells us in this passage, don't refuse him who speaks. If Jesus is calling, don't refuse. Listen to him, accept it. And I'm saying that because there are some people here even some of you who have grown up in church and you've heard this stuff again and again and you think that you're going to get in because you're a good person or you have a good heart, but that's not true. We're only in because we know Jesus, the King. So I want to give you an opportunity to declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to truly get to know him in relationship so that you know you will be in there, that your name will be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And he'll say, come on in, come on in. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if everybody could just bow their heads and close their eyes right now. Now, if you're here or if you're online and you've already you know, declared Jesus as your Lord and say, if you already know your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, would you just say this prayer out loud with me to give courage to someone who needs to say it today for the first time? Would you guys do that with me? So I want you to just repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Forgive me. Save me. I declare that Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you and serve you till I reach the goal. Amen. Now with heads bowed, eyes closed for just a minute, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, would you just slip your hand into the air? I'd love to just celebrate with you. Praise God. Praise God. Lord God, I'm so grateful that this morning we have people that are entering the kingdom today. We want to celebrate. We know that the angels are celebrating right now, and it's just a foretaste of what will come in the future. Lord God, we worship you. Now, if you made that decision for the first time, you can open up your eyes for just a second. Go to risedenver.com slash connect. Fill out that form. I'm new here. Um, but I want to read, if you, you, you can open up your eyes. I want to read the end of this passage because it's so good. And for, for this, could, could you guys just stand up on your feet? In verse 26, this whole section about this end goal, the heavenly city, the presence of Jesus, it ends like this in verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth. This is talking about in the Old Testament when God spoke to Moses. There was an earthquake. But now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. See, all the old, yuck, terrible things about this planet will be gone forever. The world will be shaken, and what will be left, verse 28 it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Lord God, we worship you. We are grateful that you as a consuming fire who shakes the earth, even shakes the heavens one day, have invited us through your Son 
through his bloodshed on the cross, the better word than even the word of Abel, that you allow us to come into your presence where there is the eternal joy forever. Lord God, we long for that goal. We keep our eyes set on that goal. And because of that, we worship you right now in your presence, in awe, in reverence. Lord God, we are so grateful that your son Jesus is the King of Kings. Amen.